welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we bring you up to speed with what's happening in Australia's key agricultural markets and have a chat about some of the analysis we're publishing on the Mercado website. Today, we're focusing in on a market that has gone from gloom and uncertainty to real strength in just a matter of weeks. That is, of course, the lamb and sheep market, which, as you'll hear very shortly, has completely rebounded to now be trading at levels higher than the same time last year. And this week, we're continuing on our series of bringing in people from the field to share their insights. So for today's episode, Ron Rutledge has come on board. Now, it's our first time meeting Ron, but you can tell from this conversation that he is no spring chicken to the agency game. He started as a trainee livestock agent 32 years ago and has worked his way through the management levels where he's now Livestock Development Manager for Nutrient Ag Solutions Southeast Region, where he manages the strategic direction of the agencies and also the all-important job of managing supply to processes. I learned so much from listening into today's conversation. It focuses in on new season lambs, particularly in the Riverina area how producers are taking part in the current market and also how merino lambs have evolved over time to now when they're a pretty big asset to an enterprise. Anyway, I won't spoil any more for you. Let's get into today's episode and I'll hand over to Robert Herman and Ron Rutledge. So thanks for the intro, Olivia. And look, it's great to be talking to somebody who's out in the field and, and, um, every day dealing with uh, the markets and and with a lot of experience. So we're really pleased to have Ron Rutledge on the Commodity Conversations podcast. But before we get started, just a little bit of background. We've been, obviously, at Mercado, we look at the lamb market all the time, and uh, we've been pleasantly surprised at the strength in this lamb market, especially in the last couple of weeks. And I spoke to Ron earlier in the week about coming on here and he was coming out of Bendigo and he said, look, I think the market's nearer again. Ron, I can tell you, you were right because, um, you know, month on month, the Eastern States trade lamb indicator is up 137 cents. Uh, On the week, it's up another 50 cents and it's actually dearer than this time last year. So we've got the flush of lambs coming and we've got this great market, which, which I think we're all a bit nervous about. So what got us thinking, and the reason I wanted to talk to Ron, is that um, there must be a lot of people starting to weigh up how they're going to take part in this lamb market and, and trade lambs. And we know now that also we've got these big numbers of merino lambs coming on the market. So Ron, how's this season impacting on those riverina lambs and what are they looking like? Oh, well, Rob, um, you know, if we wind a clock back to our early marketing program um, in early September, we're in amongst a, a quite a, a degree of gloom and uncertainty as to where and what direction we were going. But the hiatus that we've seen through the last three months or two and a half months has been absolutely staggering. And that's a twofold thing. I think it's a, it's a COVID um, refreshment that we've sort of coming out of the a pandemic situation at its worst, but, we're also finding that the, the lambs have, have just really done so well and been up to marketable, killable weights that people have just kept selling. And uh, it's been a great outcome from a merino producer's point of view, selling merino lambs, yes. So we see on Auctions Plus a lot of those lambs come through, but I'm sure there's a lot of other big sales in the Riverina still as well. What sort of weights are they this year, Ron? And, and are they generally, they generally come onto the market as unshorn lambs, is that right? 
Traditionally, as unshorn lambs, um, people like to take a, the first cut of the lambs out um, without a lot of, um, uh, lot of uh, work to be done with them. Um, they've been indexing about 17 to 21 or two kilos at the top end of the lambs. They would have gone well and truly into early September and they were mainly processable lambs. But quickly following that, just depending on where exactly you are in your geographics, so some of the seed and corkscrew issues have come forward. So people have had to extract lambs a little bit earlier than probably they would have expected. But the season just came in a bit quick. So they have extracted lambs and they've really got some tremendous results for the second and third cuts of the lambs. Um, in fact, it, it may well be a better outcome than the tops of the lambs early in September. So we were talking earlier in the week about this, Ron, and there's no doubt that the Merino lamb now, especially those Riverina lambs, is a different lamb to what it was 20 or 30 years ago. How are you seeing them and how important is this change to that shape and make of the lamb? Well, the early uh, maturing lambs, and it's, it's purely a lot of genetics uh, attached to that, the early maturing lambs have really um, provided a great resource for a wool grower to be able to get his lambs off um, far earlier than he would normally have got off uh, in the past. So genetic gains, particularly with growth rates, very much a similar correlation to, to trying to select the right type for cattle. We are seeing a, a significant lot of research done in people's ram gathering requirements to sort out for a, a high yielding but quick growing lamb that they can get off in quick time to give their user a relatively good chance of getting in conception again and not enduring long periods of lambs just sitting in corners of paddocks waiting for them to grow. These quick growth merino lambs are, are really exceeding people's um, uh, concepts and, and, and projections and they're really providing great outcomes for us. So the reason we really get interested in it, and at Mercado each year we have a look at this trading scenario because we think there's a real opportunity for these lambs to go on and, and, and be traded on into people who have got stubbles or, or grass or maybe even grain feeding. What sort of money are they making this year, Ron? And, and, and how does it compare to, say, other years? Look, the high end has been into that $170 bracket for the high-end volume merino lamb. Um, back at the time, it was very much relative to a crossbred lamb. Um, notwithstanding, the, the crossbred index has, has caught up quite appreciably. But, you know, we are now trading the seconds and thirds cuts at $145 to $155. So with everything in retrospect, um, the secondary lambs uh, of the Merino content are right up there with the crossbred focus. And people can now endure that sort of money straight off the U for a Merino lamb quite, quite easily considering it was only four or five years ago, the Merino lamb was a very hard commodity to, to trade and it was a bit of a secondary product. But now it's right up there with the, the, the crossbred killable lamb. And um, it's a big asset to a Merino producer to have a, a good, healthy, growthy Merino lamb that just doesn't want to walk around a paddock and try and die on us. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think the Merino lamb has got a bit of a history of, uh, of, of an unfair history in that people say... Uh, you know, that, that it struggles to survive its first year. There's no doubt that lambs are doing very well. So just moving forward on that, Ron, these secondary lambs, I mean, obviously the tops of them are going straight to slaughter because of the demand to, to try and fill, keep processes going. But who's buying these next drop of lambs and what, what are they going to do with them? Will they they'll obviously shear them? Will they, how will they feed them? Um, and when do they intend them to come off again? And, and what sort of margins can they think about going forward? 
Yeah, good question, Rob. We've just produced a, a relatively similar aspect in a merino lamb as we have with a backgrounding uh, steer, for that matter. We are basically backgrounding merino lambs because they've got that twofold advantage of growing some wool as well. So people are putting um, merino lambs out at this present stage of time. Uh, quite a few of them are uh, grain producers. They're putting them in relatively small uh, acreages until their crops come forth. They will background those lambs over the, the summer period, turning them into the autumn, into late March, in where they'll extract a, a wool clipper and a decent wool clip off those lambs. Then they'll put them back into their containment yard programs for a feeding regime in March, April, May to define those um, really winter markets where the high, high uh, statistic uh, relates itself. And there's probably up to 60 to $70 return if everything keeps going in the right direction as we are now, in that you can procure Merino lamb for $140. Notwithstanding, we, we do hope that there's a bit of positivity regained out of our wool market. Now, wool market might not be in the same position as we see right as today. So with a little bit of gain in wool, um, the lambs have had an exceptional start to their lives, whereas in previous years, the rumen of the lambs took a lot to get going. We've seen the lambs not have a, a dull day in their whole life so far. So these lambs are going to continue to go on a rising plane. And we're going to have weights of, you know, 30 odd plus kilos coming into the winter with these lambs. And one would suspect that if the current levels of pricing stay similar to where they are, you know, there's up to a 200 plus dollar return on those lambs. So the templates are there from an investment point of view that, if you did that every time you resold a, a new vehicle or a new bit of machinery, you'd do it every day of the week. So it's a lot of positivity there. Yeah, and I think it's also important for our lamb industry to have this spread of supply. And, and these lambs, as you've just explained, the, the whole process of, of, of backgrounding them, I think that's a good point to make, Ron, that, that we're backgrounding them and then bringing them out when there's a bit of a shortage of lambs. It's really important to our industry what sort of markets do those lambs target at? I remember that there was sort of the bag, the people were talking about bagged lambs into, into the uh, Saudi Arabian markets and those sort of things. Is that similar to where these are going to go or are they, is this a different market? Um, certainly the, the lighter end of those lambs, it's a continuous trade uh, into the Middle Eastern markets. And we have learned very quickly in Australia to understand the symbolism of the religious festivals and the religious festivals have a big bearing on where our spikes of our markets take place, i.e. Ramadan, the Hajj, the Eid, and so on. So in correlation to the religious festivals, we see a big upside in the merino contented lambs for the procurement of those festivals. But notwithstanding these big, heavy, plain body merino lambs do have a, an interest into some of our high-end restaurants into the US and other other avenues that has not been seen before because we wouldn't have been a necessarily um, a producer of heavy merino contented lambs but because of the genetic gains and the ability uh, of people to breed a different type of merino lamb we're seeing that the markets arise for you know heavy indexing uh, yielding merino lambs into restaurant trades and um, with a lower fat content and a very different flavour and we are seeing some really big gains and, and market gains of the heavy merino lamb, which we haven't seen before. We've been very reliant on the Middle East for their light carcass lambs, but we are now seeing a different tangent of the market inform itself. 
and it's due to genetic gains quite simply. So what I'm hearing from you, Ron, is that this whole story that we're telling here is really important for the merino sheep. And, and the reason I think that's positive and very positive is because those merino ewes in some of the country that you're talking about and you're covering are just the perfect animal for that area, aren't they? And, and you don't have to worry about replacement ewes. You're breeding a replacement ewes. You're cutting wool, which is diversifying your risk a bit. And you're producing high quality lamb. I guess the meatworks are sort of, they've, they've come up to speed on this and understand the value of a merino lamb now more so than in the past. Yeah, they've certainly adapted to, to bigger carcasses for merino lambs. Even some relativity at Bendigo on Monday, there was merino lambs making $215 to $218. And that's, you know, that's not a normal trend at this time of the year, but they were very much competitive with the heavy, heavy, um, prime lambs so it just really correlates back to the merino vision that there is just as competitive as as any other breed if you source good genetics and you understand where the marketing is and we as uh, livestock uh, advisors um, try and fulfill our clients needs with pushing that idea that if you've got a merino base there's not too much wrong with that because you as you say you can get yourself a merino u to keep breeding from and we're seeing some excessive um, price structures with some merino use at the moment in excess of $300. So a merino ram purchase, it's not a bad purchase to get both a weather and a ewe on the ground. It's a great story. And, um, and, and my background is certainly tied up with merino. So I love looking for positives about them. Ron, it's been fantastic to talk to you today. And there's no doubt this, this depth of understanding that you have from being involved you know, in the field and in this area for a long time is, is going to be valuable for not only uh, our learnings and, and at Mercado, we, we need to talk to people who are outside and, and dealing with livestock so that we can balance it off against looking at data, but it'll also be valuable for the people who are out there either thinking about their breeding programs for next year or probably in the short term thinking about how they can trade some lamb and some sheep to make some money out of the grass they have. Now, normally, Ron, we finish off with a question out of left field, just to keep you guys on your toes, something that you weren't expecting. Yes. So the question for you today is, Ron, when was the last time you saw the Riverina look like this? And is what's likely to happen going forward now? What are people, you know, people with sheep likely to do in terms of their breeding, their management and that sort of thing? So the last time you saw the Riverina like this, and, and what happened? Uh, the last time we saw the river and like this was in excess of 10 years ago. What happened is that there's a great cliche that one of our famous merino breeders in Australia once uh, used, let the country seed down. There won't be too much excessive restocking going on. There'll be a natural incline of keeping as many um, breeders as they possibly can. But the story and the motto of a, of, a, of a season that we haven't had in 10 years like this is to let the country seed, let the seed go to the bottom of the, of, of the soil, let it rejuvenate, and it will come back better and bigger than ever because of the tiredness it's had over the last 10 years. It will let you get the spoils of, the, of, of, of what you can do by letting it seed down for you know, the next four or five years to come with just ordinary seasons. But to have such difficult seasons on top of each other the seed base had certainly uh, got removed, but we're going to have a seed base put itself down. So it's like a natural fertilisation program of regenerating the land, and it's the 
best moral of an old pioneer story that we have learned over generations of time is just let the country seed down and protect the country and look after it and look after you. Well, great bit of advice and great bit of insight, Ron. And uh, we, thank, we thank you for your time. We also wish you all the best. Um, I know you've been in, in uh, one position for a long, long time. You've now started a new job doing the same sort of work, but a bit of a re renew. And a, uh, we wish you all the best, Ron. And thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Rob. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Commodity Conversations. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. And remember, there is plenty of more detailed content and analysis on the Mercado website. Or if you're looking for more bespoke research, reporting and forecasting, get in touch with us. We'll be back next week for a focus in from the field on wool. So be sure to listen in then. Thanks.